Hello, you're listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. We are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. This year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to close our store and cancel in-person events. But Skylight is your neighborhood bookstore, and we are finding ways to create community even while we're far apart. In the coming weeks, we'll be putting out lots of new audio content to help you discover new books, connect with authors, and check in with your favorite booksellers. To learn more about how you can help keep Skylight alive, please visit our website at skylightbooks.com or check out our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Um, Hi, Jenny. Hey, it's good to see everyone. Um, How are you doing? I'm glad you're okay and not like cut off from the world. (laughs) I'm okay. I I put I I took I put my phone on on mute and no notifications and then I forgot for six days and I was like I can't believe no one's texting me I hate everyone and then it was <laughs> because I shut Meanwhile, myself off like, the world yeah me and Vic were like have you tried is she responding I've tried I haven't heard back in a couple of days I haven't heard back in a couple of days she's responding to emails but she had like a reading tonight like we have a reading together tomorrow like da, da, da. and she was like I stopped by her house and no one answered and like oh no I got her um, parents' information, and I was like, okay, but, like, let's just see if she shows up to the reading, and if she doesn't show up to the reading, then you talk to her parents. <laughs> Victoria's the best. It's very, very dramatic. I, I feel very cared for. Thank you. Yes, you have, so you have friends who will check up if you disappear. <laughs> oh. Hi, Jenny. Hey. I I already said hi, but I was just talking, and... No <laughs> <laughs> you look really cute. You look really great too. Love the lipstick. Thank you. I feel like I was so out of practice and putting on makeup. I did it and then was like, I look like a clown. <laughs> like, it's kind of working, I guess, but like, this is weird. I'm not used to this. Uh, no, you I look great. Been avoiding looking in the mirror. So, you know. <laughs> I know I had to practice putting on makeup last night as well. <laughs> Remember this? Remember dressing up? I just like poured uh, tinted moisturizer on my face and just like kind of smushed it around. We're doing our best. <laughs> I'm doing, you know, almost my best. How long is everyone going to read for? They said five to ten, so. That's like, that's like one thing, right? Two One thing? Two things, probably. Five to ten. How long, how long is each poem that you're reading? I don't know. I guess it depends. I got three poems. That sounds right. Two are long. Two are long? I'm, I'm going to read the poem to minutes. a novel and then uh, an essay. Ooh. Okay. Wait, I'm sorry. What's happening? A prelude to a novel that I started writing because I'm a dummy. And I told also, you never to do that. I know. I, know. <laughs> I, I, was, I was like, like that's the worst thing ever. I'm just gonna put my ass on it. Oh my god. If they go you for it. Poems, then. Well, they can't transcribe it, I guess. 
I'll do claws. They're so fucking sad. Mine too. It's all right. I started crying with them out. I should have like said I was going to read from the last one because this one's just like, the police keep killing black people. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Time. Now's the time. Yeah. Now's the time. Don't hold back. All right. So we got about two hundred people in the waiting room here. My neighbor said it was sold out. Sold out? How's that possible? Because we can only we can only host five hundred people on Zoom. Oh shit! <laughs> wow. Most people will not be joining once again. <laughs> you know, people be late. And they forget. It's true. Yeah, the registration is going to stay open so people can register even if uh, they oh. can't get in right at the like, beginning. Honestly, what day is it? What is the day? You know, what, what time is it? I have no idea. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Thursday, right? Is it? It's, it's Thursday the 28th, and it is now 735 Mountain Time. <laughs> Ooh. All right, you guys ready for me to start letting people in? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my mother's in the in the waiting room, and she's like, "They're not letting me in." They're like, "Mom, please stop touching me." I'll let her in right now. So hopefully she won't be. Maddie's gonna mute uh, everyone, and then y'all could unmute yourselves afterwards. Okay. When people okay. are let in. All right. Here we go. Hang on to your butts. I don't have one. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. We're going to give it a couple minutes to let people sort of filter in. But meanwhile, you can enjoy this view of the inside of Skylight Books. If you were actually physically there, that's what you would be seeing. Just want to give you guys a little uh, um, tour of Zoom. So down at the bottom, you'll see uh, a little icon that says chat. We're going to ask that everyone communicate via the chat box. Um, you can chat to everyone or to someone. Uh, you can do a private message if you'd like. Um, I'd like to point out we are recording this. Um, we're not, we haven't decided yet whether we will be releasing it as a podcast episode, but keep, you know, keep your eyes on our social media for that. Um, I also want to point out in the upper left-hand corner of your screen, you'll see a little red box that says live. Um, that is a live captioning service. So if you want to see a transcript of the conversation, um, click the little drop-down arrow there and select view stream on Otter AI. So that's a, it's an AI service that's transcribing as we're talking. Um, it's not going to be perfect, but it will get most of the things, um, so you're welcome to use that. Almost, man, people still coming in in big chunks here. Yay, chunks, we stand chunks. Y'all are popular. 
Yeah, this is a star-studded audience. <laughs> okay, I'm unmuted. Uh-oh, me too. <laughs> you, can you spotlight our- I'm four jealous four? of the tacos. <laughs> I mean, they were good, but like, you know, I've got some rumbles in the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't have let us do this. <laughs> oh my God, Matt Nelson, hi. Matt! <laughs> Matt, I miss you so much. Me too. just wanted to let everyone know, I mean, I told this to the presenters before, but tonight I'm uh, drinking a drink I invented called the Pico, which is black cherry, white claw, and gin. Ooh. So there's that. Regular white claw. Uh, while you guys are coming in, you want to tell us, tell us where you're coming from in the chat? Oh. I love to hear where everyone is joining us from. Wow, London. Amazing. Oh my God. <gasps> wow. Everywhere. Holy smackaronis. Bonkers. <laughs> um, I have to close this chat thing because it's trying to stress me out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I was looking at all the names and just like processing and then it's just, okay, so I'm gonna. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. I'm gonna. Brazil, wow. Welcome everyone. Oh my God, Jeannie, hi. Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think we should get started. There's still people joining us, but uh, there's a lot of us here already. So I'm gonna um, hand this over to Eve. He is the host tonight. I, by the way, I'm the events manager at Skylight. Sorry for just being uh, the talker. But yeah, uh, Eve is gonna host and he's gonna start introducing our wonderful poets. Oh, look at that. Wait. Eve, where did you go? Come back. <laughs> You're muted. You're muted. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Eve, and I'm a bookseller at Skylight Books, an independent bookstore in Los Angeles, located in the neighborhood of Los Feliz. Um, welcome to our online reading series. Um, I'm going to put some link in the chat. Uh, Y'all can follow our socials and look at our calendar. One second. Um, but yeah, check out our events calendar on skylightbooks.com. Um, 
we have an event coming up with Charles Flowers in conversation with Glass Falconer. Um, I put the event bright link in the chat as well. Um, this reading will be recorded and may or may not be released as a podcast. We're still deciding, but if it is, uh, that's the link for their Spotify. It's also available on iTunes and Podbean. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming. Uh, I'll read Jenny, Tommy, Morgan, and Khadija's bios, and then they'll go ahead and read. We'll have like a little chat, and then we'll do a Q&A. Jenny Zhang's debut story collection, Sour Heart, conjures the experience of adolescence through the eyes of Chinese-American girls growing up in New York City, and is the winner of the Los Angeles Times Book Prize, the Penn Robert W. Bingham Prize for debut fiction. Tommy Pico is the author of the books IRL, Nature Poem, Junk, Feed. Originally from the Viejas Indian Reservation of the Kumeye Nation, he now splits his time between Los Angeles and Brooklyn. He co-curates the reading series Poets with Attitude, co-hosts the podcast Food for Thought, and Scream Queen, and is a contributing editor at Literary Hub. Morgan Parker is a poet, essayist, and novelist. She's the author of the young adult novel, Who Put This Song On?, and the poetry collections, Other People's Comfort Keeps Me Up at Night, There Are More Beautiful Things Than Beyonce, and Magical Negro, which won the 2019 National Book Critics Circle Award. Parker's debut book of nonfiction is forthcoming from One World. And Finally, Khadija Queen is the author of five books, most recently, I'm So Fine, A List of Famous Men and What I Had On by Yes, Yes Books 2017. She is the Assistant Professor of Creative Writing at the University of Colorado Boulder and serves as core faculty for the Mile High MFA in Creative Writing at Regis University. Her sixth book, Anodyne, is forthcoming from Tin House in August 2020. So, um, it's available for pre-order if y'all are interested. But yeah, thank you so much for coming and uh, I'll let y'all take it away. You guys, we write too many books. I just have to say, we need to write too many books. We just have all these books. We need to stop. We need to let the other girls have a chance. <laughs> Never stop. I'm happy to retire. I <laughs> <laughs> got enough of me. <laughs> Okay, I think I have the pleasure of reading first. Um, this is really cool to get to read with my friends and heroes. Um, I'll try to make it fun and joyful, as I know it's been a really bad week and a bad month and a bad year and a bad lifetime in a bad, um, in a bad world. Uh, but we'll see. This is, I'm going to read, a few, I'm going to read two poems from um, My Baby First Birthday, which came out um, a few weeks ago from Tin House. And this is called, Why Would You Ever Be Friends With Her? You must be desperate or one of those people who actually look forward to more segregation. Honestly, that's everyone. Beep. Everyone under the spell of Beep. Supremacy only gets hard if power is present. You're one of them, aren't you? 
You're hot for tax evasion. Your granddaddy is an oil baron, yet somehow you're solidly middle class and still collect $5 from everyone when you pull into an hourly lot. Euphemism is the only erotics you've been known to practice. Do you dry up and go limp when someone calls for accountability? You've never seen yourself paired up with someone like me, essentially a poor person would taste. No one said so, but I can tell my family is why everyone else moved away. I've always wondered, but never asked, is your charisma a marriage between being born lucky and finding a way to still be damaged? Shirley. Um, I was just excited to see Shirley. Um, is your charisma a marriage between being born lucky and finding a way to still be damaged? The endless hours of nobility and lack of struggle must really rot the mind. Your dimpled ass doesn't make me cry. Your bad acne doesn't warrant a solo show. What can I even say? The worst day of your life looks exactly like one of my best. The time my father brought home Carvel ice cream and the whole fam ate it with our little wiggling toes. Can you even imagine? haven't really gotten to know so cute and geniusy um i'm gonna read this long poem forgive me if you have heard it before it's called needs revision i worry of the monkey who was inside that woman and when she met that man who fucked her without asking about pain or pleasure or desire or terror he was really fucking the monkey inside of her who told her to stop if only we all had a monkey but actually no no to wanting someone else to do the work for us. No to wanting someone to feel our pain. No to thinking everything can be outsourced. Someone has to feel it. It might as well be me. Just because I let monsters love me doesn't mean I get to hit whoever I want. And yes, I want to hit everyone. Round with my fists by my side, like a spring I knock down everything around me. The horror is always the same. What fell were the flowers leaving just the ragged hedges, the immovable trunks of trees. Everything ugly remains. The bleeding is just on one side. The same people care and the same people don't. I don't know, man. Was I wrong to assume I was straight? What else was in me all along that I never nurtured? I point out sadist after sadist, but don't know how to look at myself. While all around us are people who don't know until someone calls for a boycott and someone else with no disposable income promises publicly they won't spend it. I honestly don't know how to scare the fuck out of him. He has too much money to care. It sucks that even white girls can't get justice and the rest of us are supposed to keep writing about the time someone put their hand up their legs, someone put their hand up our legs, the time someone put something else up something else. It's just holes, it's just ugly appendages, it's just an orifice, it's just someone's entire history of violence. It's just going dead inside for one to seven minutes. It's just sleeping in unwanted sperm. It's just someone's parent who knows their son and he would never, never hurt anyone. It's just marrying someone who has 
offshore accounts in the Seychelles and using bitcoins to buy more land in Puerto Rico. It's just writing on Instagram, best decision I ever made marrying this one. Okay, so now no one is afraid to get drinks with this one. He's safe because he married a nerd who thinks she's a 19th century aristocrat. Everyone with secret wealth publicly fetishizes rich people's ideas of thrift. It sucks I'm too violent to be praised by actually powerful people. They prefer the dummies who feel sorry for all the Roman Polanski films they can't stream anymore on moral grounds. They'll only retweet that article about how women are monsters, too. I mean, get fucking real. Did someone with this level of professional achievement actually agonize for three weeks over watching that scene in Annie Hall where Diane Keaton cucks Woody Allen so gracefully and deceptively? I once saw a group of future men going their own ways actually praise the movie as if it weren't the nightmare they wrote their manifestos against. Hashtag goals for a white supremacy that outlaws any dick stiffening outside a vagina. The followers of Thor's hammer can't get enough of these sideways Asian cunts. They worship Odin, but they can't get hard unless there's a chink around. I guess it's true women are so powerful that a single drop of calm landing anywhere but inside her wombs would destroy Western Civ. Can anyone resolve then how a single drop of unwanted cum can make my friends and I actual survivors? I would never call myself a survivor just because that skinny little pencil dick went in and then fell out. Too skinny, I screamed. It hurts all the more thanks to all the unused surface area. How did both of us come away from that thinking each other was the Nazi? When I was 14, I actually prayed for someone to rape me. How was I supposed to know what that word meant? How it would actually feel? It was the fastest route to attention. All the other ways I was broken count. How was I supposed to know that nothing counts if you're a woman in pain? How was I supposed to know that the more I talk about my pain, the more white people literally profit? How was I supposed to know then I was already eroticizing my trauma in order to seem luckier than the girls I knew who talked in terms of disfigurement? Are there any women left who haven't cried on tape? Every time I say something, a man I've never thought about even once in my life lets me know how it makes him feel. This is one of the best strategies to get me to think about you. What a fucking prison it is to be inside of this femme mind. I wish it could end right here. But actually, pessimism is more than sane. This body has never been touched consensually. Are you kidding me? Exploitation doesn't just stop because I started doing mad push-ups and worked on my core. I hate this reality, but neither will I just die, okay? I will live. I will bite my tongue until it's gone. Not to make any kind of point, though it is true, one way to seize the means of production might be self-mutilation. It might be suicide without a note. No warnings on Facebook, no threats on Twitter. Just go away. Let the paper write an obituary for someone who resembles you. The dead don't laugh. They don't, they don't have unfinished business. They aren't salvation for the living. They are dead, 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 and deserve at least some rest. Um, I am going to read a new poem that is not available anywhere except for all of you wonderful people who are here now. And 
I've never read this out loud before, so let's see how it goes. And then I'm done. This is called, I'm not like you. You just like me because I'm actually interesting. All the years I didn't know that were rough for me. Wasted so much time thanking useless people just because they have floor to ceiling shelving and natural light in every room, a car in a parking garage to take them to the Asala. The history of married men bored of jerking off into their own hands definitely precedes me. Our flesh isn't any softer. We just moisturize and care. And the sheen from fighting makes us glow really. Having something real to fight against is pretty hot. You got to admit, you and your spouse think it through. You hate me and my friends who address the world from the vantage point of, you know, loins, feelings, a fucking heart. And don't you ever forget what it that it takes practice to access what you demolished. When you see us, you feel something for the first time. You act like you aren't that turned on. The shit that gets you hard is a debased topic, and you prefer to keep your pages clean. Read critics who describe our ideas as rousing, spirited, important, brave. You live with someone who sanitizes everything, even before this and definitely after. Listen, let your pussy breathe for once in your gut life. It'll be easier to come if you don't smell like flowers. My friends and I, we smell like we've been outside. We sweat through the sheets and take the bus to the beach. We want to play in the waves at the end of the islet. You'd love to rub up against me in person one day, wouldn't you? When I tell you about that photographer, you say you're sorry. Women like me have to constantly deal with men like that. But I know when you go home later tonight, the details from my dumb story are what keeps you going. No one has ever really wanted to fuck the person they've merged assets with. That's why I'm not surprised to know you imagine me constantly, don't you? Underwear bunched down by my ankles, flipped over onto my stomach. You wish you knew me better, like really actually knew me back then when I thought that I was so disgusting. It turns out I have always been interesting. Not that I expected you or your blood family to admit everything about your fantasy life comes from women like me. Every single time you forgot your earthly problems, felt your flesh as starting point, dreamed real legit dreams, you better believe it was me. Fucking me and my friends whose names are only uttered when you need to feel better. And if it weren't for us, where do you think you'd be right now? Seriously, tell me, what meaning would your life have if we were no longer buried on the very earth you've been trampling on since the first in your line was born and decided to stay? All right, I'm done. Hell fucking yes. Yes, bitch. Oh my God. Okay, <laughs> that was good. Oh, actually, you know what? Let me just. How have I missed your dopeness all this time? 
turn off. What my was I even doing with myself? <laughs> really? You know what I mean? Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> oh man, you know what? Tin House is killing it right now. I just have to say. Um, <clears throat> so uh, we were talking about this in the chat earlier, but it's like last year was like. Um, well, like, Kanif was right before me, then it was me, and then Jenny, and then Khadija, and then Destiny Birdsong, but then also Erica Dawson and Morgan, and it's just like, you know what, Tin House is undefeated, just FYI. Okay, so the first thing I'm going to read is a prelude to a novel uh, that I started. It's called Thirsty, and it follows the, like, sex lives of a group of gays uh, at gay expat New Yorkers who live in Los Angeles, just as the city of Los Angeles runs out of water. So this is just like the first like little prelude. So it has no, so it's thirsty. It's sunset on the beach and the wind is picking up a little and some kind of meat is being grilled. I think there's maybe also ceviche. I'm not grilling the meat. I may be eating the ceviche on tortilla chips and someone in the distance is piling wood for a bonfire. I'm sitting on the sand, looking at the water, and the clouds are turning pink, and there's a boy next to me who I met at a friend's housewarming party last week. It turns out we both lived in the same build apartment building in South Williamsburg for years. He was 2L and I was 3L, but we never ran into each other, not once. It took us moving across the country and having this roundabout connection to a group of former New Yorkers who all newly moved to Los Angeles and basically just get together to go complain about the city and Angelinos in general, and also fuck driving, am I right? That night last week, he put his number in my phone as Paul Cool Moves and told me to text him the pic of the sweet potato I said looks like him as soon as I got, but I was only busting his chops and now I'm trying to will him into kissing me on the sand in front of the peachy sky with the sizzle of beef in our ears, but still every night before I go to bed, I delete his number from my phone because I don't want him to think that I'm into him. And besides, being excited about something when you're 25 is great because the experience and the thrill, it's the experience and the thrill and the blowjobs, but being excited about something when you're 35 feels like a prelude to the thing being taken away. Knock it off, you dumb brain. I lean in. I say something like, hey, I want to try something. He smells like coconuts. The sky is ice cream. The burgers are done. Okay, so that was that thing. Um, no. So I'm, I'm going to apologize to Jenny because she's already had to hear this like three times by now. Um, but I wrote an essay uh, for Aperture Magazine, and it's called, I'm writing this in the middle of a heat wave in LA during the 2020 pandemic, lol sob. It's 95 degrees. I'm sweating my Kiehl's tinted moisturizer off my face. I don't think I deserve air conditioning, air conditioning generally, so all the fans are on full blast. It's week seven of quarantine. I've been calling it the core core for whimsy. It helps. I have a Zoom with the Scream Queen team, a podcast I co-host about scary movies. I wash my hands. I tell them it's really hard watching scary movies right now. I can't consume anything with tension. Roy is sending me a Marco Polo about where to store potatoes. I wash my hands. 
My mom tells me some, texts me something that I'm ignoring because if I respond too soon, she'll send 15 more texts in a row and she's in this Zoom right now and she absolutely knows that that's true. <laughs> I'm doing a house party with Lauren. We like to play its version of Pictionary because neither of us are particularly good at drawing. So it launches us into giggle fits. It helps. It helps, but my body knows she's not in front of me. I hate cooking. I suck at it. I wrote a whole book about it. I did a lot of research on it. I wash my hands. I have an interview on Instagram Live with a chef. He says, you know so much about cooking, but you can't cook? I say, yes. It's Greek. It's a Greek tragedy. I live. My director is about to send me her pass on my script. Without saying too much, the main character is named Tommy. And he's from a person in Southern California who lives in Brooklyn and is a poet. I have imagination. I read my mom's texts. She tells me how to scramble eggs. She tells me how to make tortillas. I just want fuzzy comfort. I wash my hands. I ask her to look through old photos because the Scream Queen team wants a pic of me as a kid in a Halloween costume for Instagram promo. The thin membrane over my wobbly panic thins. My furniture deals group chat is talking about our enemies. I wash my hands. We talk about ain't shit men. When lockdown started, I told them, I love y'all, but I'm not reading your quarantine essays. Writing is hard. This is the first thing I've written in seven weeks. It's a quarantine essay. I convinced producer Alex to do an hour's worth of Tracy Anderson DVD workouts on YouTube with me every day. Tracy time, we text each other each afternoon. It helps. Mom texts me an old school picture day pic. Second grade, I have silver teeth and a res mullet because the bitch has always loved candy. <laughs> My unsafe space group chat is talking about BMs. My hail paymon group chat is talking about midsummer. Text me a picture of Papa in his wild bunch jacket. My house party with Marcos and Tazba, which we call house party dolls, is tectonic in laughter. Then it ends. I'm in my living room again. I turn off the lights. I lay in bed. I wash my hands. I wash my hands. I wash my hands. Ryan sends me a Marco Polo reminiscing on the universal gay demon pish posh about being young and loving a straight guy. Ryan is six foot 100. <laughs> we used to have a flirty thing, but now we have a friendly one. In my food chat, the gaggle is all caps about the new Tracy Ellis Ross. It's about the middle girl who wants to record some more bops. It helps. Whoa, Lord in heaven, does it help. Mom texts me a pic of preschool me on my old bed with all my stuffed animals at attention. I liked seeing their eyes at night. It felt less alone. I, I FaceTime with Nikki. She's my favorite photographer. I wash my hands. She says it's hard making art. It's Monday. It's Saturday. It's the 5th. It's the 15th. We end the, tat, the chat tipsy drunk saying, let's have another one. I wipe down my groceries. I wash my masks in the tub. There's the one for when I get the mail or take out the trash. There's the one for my run. I go to the bathroom. I shut the door. I turn off all the lights. I sing. The pounding slows down and I smile like I full on grin. I'm sweating off my tinted moisturizer again.
Joe is a virologist. He says that they've been, we've been isolating long enough that we can start to open our social circle by one. As long as we trust that they've done the same. It's more than one, but one had a nice rhyme, so I chose that word. I'm writing. It's my domain. Morgan is my plus one. Three Janet Jackson songs to walk to her house. Her dog barks a lot, but surely likes me now. <laughs> I want to cry. I'm in the same room as someone else, as someone I love. Mom texts me a pic of her and grandma at the table playing guitar. These aren't what I, I think of little me after bedtime, sitting in my sleep shirt in the door frame, listening to mama and grandma making music in the other room. I'd burp like this, comforted, and mama would lift me back to bed by herself. I wash my hands. I zoom my therapist. I do cry. It helps. It helps. It oh, buddy. Damn. Wow. That was incredible. And I'm like crying, which is <laughs> like not my style. Uh, me neither. Yeah. How, how dare you? Sick I'm just like off my game already. I It's just you and me at the end of the world. Yep. Um, I remember when you were like, what do you need? Potatoes, carrots? I'm good. If I'm good, we're good. <laughs> I'll take you, I'll make you a little baggy. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Um, well, since everyone is like making me cry, I won't feel so bad about reading from Magical Negro, um, which I didn't, I don't know all the news because I went on the internet and um, I could sense it. So I was like, I kind of get the gist. So that's just like where I am with the news. Um, but when I started like trying to pick out poems for this, I started crying because, you know, poems that you write in 2014, it's like, AKA yesterday. Um, but anyway, I didn't want to read these poems cause depressing, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Uh, Maybe there'll be like a joke in here. I'll start with the longer one. A brief history of the present. Virgil Tibbs isn't arrested exactly, but the white cop in Sparta, Mississippi, tells him to spread his legs, boy, and get back into the back of the police car. Darren cannot find a job 12 months after the shooting, which left his round cheeks pink with adrenaline. He lives a quiet life. His blue eyes sparkle. He is a man who shot a boy. No, a suspect. Boy. Rodney King became nationally known after he was beaten. Journalists consider flimsy words, ironic and alternative, fault and intention. Even angels want LA fame. On the phone, I asked Jericho how the South is treating him. He says, today he wasn't shot to death, and we laugh. There's no way a black woman killed herself because everyone knows we can withstand inhuman amounts of pain. 
There's no way she didn't hang herself. Dumb brown martyr, not mentally sound to begin with. Immortal, magic, not like angels, but like drinking water, like roads. Trick question, is mercy ever justified? Aren't all masters benevolent? Now, please use the space below to create a graph showing the price of water. There's no way we don't deserve it. In 1992 in California, my white classmates are like, aren't you glad you're free? Your people. What if you lived in the olden days? I've seen pictures of slavery, crude charcoals and watered down history books. And that's how I know I'm not a slave. A sergeant testified that Rodney King exhibited Hulk-like strength. His name was Kuhn, and repetition is a literary device, and paranoia is a weakness of the oppressed. We cannot be mentally sound. What began to leak then from the laceration was discipline, which for the slave is the tick of survival, and for a nation is the practice of denial. What did he have in his system? Was it hunger or money? Was it glass, plants, voice? Death is the only cultural truth because there are fake marriages every day and even rappers are cooked up in an office in somebody's pink cheeks. Dylan Roof, Burger King, Urban Outfitters. I know it's just a movie, but I'm still what I see when I fall asleep. I know. The masses ask me every day for a eulogy. I know I am supposed to say, shot and killed, say brutality, to call my life a life. This is their language and not mine. This is not my mouth. Multiple choice, black man hang from a tree. Who is a nigger? Which of the following are Negroes free to do? Marry, own property, vote, drive, speak, bear arms, organize, revolt, be president, make movies, laugh. Which is greater, the amount of minutes it takes for requested backup to arrive at the scene of a 12-year-old in a park playing with toys, or the varieties of insects that might make contact the person laid in the street over the course of four hours on a summer evening? How patient must we be? Praise the endurance, or is it suspicious, almost not human? Who else is so great but the devil himself? I worry sometimes I will only be allowed a death story. No one will say in the New Yorker how my mother made her money, who I married, how my career began. Your people. The death story is just a name folded into another name. My name might be a list or a hymn, or a body, an investigation, a year, a lineage. I might become an autopsy. And the reason don't matter, only my understanding, my swallowing of my rightful place, tectonic plates clicking like a jaw, and stubbornly, like history, my mouth becoming their mouth, speaking who I am. Um, there's like, like a lot of poems, <laughs> relevant, Morgan Parker, more relevant than ever.
loneliness. <laughs> I can't hear you guys laughing, so I'm just gonna like talk to myself. Here's another one that's about how linear time is bullshit, especially when it comes to murder. Who speaks for the earth? It's 2014. I get it. I'm here, but I'm not really here. When we are not pleased, we proclaim the year as if suddenly remembering we have just counted all the tree rings in Sequoia National Park and then fallen into deep sleep. We are addicted to linear time. Who did what? To whom? When? We use verb tenses. For example, chased into a white sheet is haunting or wasn't an angel, isn't breathing any longer. We make a lot of trash, but whatever. There is a particular way in which we are always in awe. It is 2019 and still I've always had bad dreams. I have been blowing in this breeze so many nights. I mourn my other selves, my stupid body in the dirt. This ritual tide myth, this indictment I rent, my stupid body stiffening on a dark road, my stupid body and my stupid memory. You speak, I say the word return. I never learned the word escape. I say, oh my God, I'm speaking to myself for my pleasure. It is motherfucking 2020. We say we cannot believe it. Nothing belongs to me. Sometimes I'm like, please, 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 please. I kiss my mom at the airport and I kiss the soil. You speak, I am afraid to stay here. The opposite of space is the ocean. They are both my beginning. There's this life of sage and piano. I speak, I ruin, what else? Um, I haven't actually been doing very well with time. Um, I'm just gonna read like a short one, I guess. Read forever. I would prefer not to. <laughs> uh, I love you guys so much. Thanks for being here. Um, I'm really uncomfortable, and I wish that there was a hug involved in this evening. Um, or 17. So, yeah. Okay. I told my therapist I tried to meditate, and she laughed. I can't leave the house. The landscape is like really hectic vibes. I've been thinking, God damn it. I'm trying to get whole. I sneak wheat fields. I'm obsessed with how people are wrong. They're ugly, and so am I. I am perfect because I know everything. I carry a light made out of your mouth. Here we are, we are sick, but we will not be sick forever. I have three heads, so I'm perfect. Snow at my feet, 
blood moon in my pussy, anything good you can find in the dark. All right, just one more sad one. Thank you, America and Australia and various places on the planet. Uh, so I wrote this book called Magical Negro. You can get it from Tin House. It won a motherfucking award in this economy. How crazy is that? Um, so when I was working on it, I had I figured I had to come up with like what was Magical Negro number one amongst all the numbers. <coughs> um, so yeah, Magical Negro number one, Jesus Christ. They make his eyes that color so he can seduce you. Literally every white boyfriend tender until they're not. Y'all know that nigger was a nigger. Y'all know those whores were whores. Sometimes I go to the sink for water and I come back with a jar full of wine. Every second I breathe, I forgive. Thank you. Yes! Yes! It is such a privilege to be among you on the same press and in the same world as even as it's falling apart. Um, my poems are sad too, so fuck it. Um, they're all from Anodyne. I had a moment after the election where I was reading a lot of Lucille Clifton message from the ones and um, Robert Hayden, American Journal. So this is antediluvian. Where were you when the truth disappeared or when the truth battered us and we pretended fear fell from the ripped pillow of our sky instead of rising up from the one clear place of us? Where were you when strong men told us to die and blasted us into nothing? Were you downtown to witness the smooth mirage stagnate in skyscraper shade and neon glower? Did you hop a bus and clutch a cold center rail, the sweat of your palm making you slip as if at sea? Were you at sea in memory, gathered into lyric, your body pretending any era was a safe one? Six persimmons ripen unconsumed, mayfly wings flash their iridescence in the dark. Nothing works. By swallowing alarm, you scrapped what you knew near plaza fountains, ultra anonymous. Now an arrowhead sharpens the blood under our flesh, low to the ground, a sea of tamarisks. You claim millennia led to the false obelisks, led to what severs the head of connection in the time of least, but we only add that you not kill us. Double life. Last night I split a bottle plus a glass of white, a clear Cali saw that woke me then put me to sleep. Obviously this is written before the pandemic. 
In between bites of poblano soup and spicy slaw on bootleg street tacos, we ran off each random white man who thought he could eat in our silence. With our crass laughter and endless sentences about oppression and work life and bloodstreams, ours and others, and who did they think could escape now? Collision of fear and brazenness, clapping together in historical play across the moving planet. Erica says a woman named Chocoletta saved her from boss-led persecution, and I say, or think, something like, her mother had vision, and the power in a black woman's name saves us all. Hungover and overworked the next morning, I get my tax bill. Doubled my income last year, so oh, double too. I wish I could pull a Thoreau, but I'm only 41.8% white. If only I could just be chased off a bar stool at the Hornet on Broadway after eating a plate of fake nachos and drinking a warm Pilsner. Instead, I fear the end of a chase, ending in blood, mine or someone I love, and I love us all. And so many of my white friends know how to help ease my way out of wreck. I show up at the university in bold new professor leather and tweed elbow patched and afraid I'll learn to pontificate too much by default or tell too much truth or be to be trusted. I notice one of my white male students leaves the room every time we talk about race. My therapist tells me I should put things like that in the container I made up for what I can't control and I do. This job isn't writing at all and I'm burning too fast, afraid to combust and afraid I won't. For dessert, we split peach cobbler with vanilla ice cream. I don't eat dairy, so Erica spooned it up and I basked warm sugar and fruit and surprise of caramel crisscrossed on the just right crust, remembering my mama's mama and the smell of nutmeg and cinnamon in her kitchen. Fresh peaches, cinnamon syrup on an old pot on the gas stove, her fingers pinching quick dough remembering her permanent frown as a pair of mirrored crescents between her eyes, the map of lines on her forehead, and as we speak, I am inheriting the furrows earned rightfully by Crohn's. If you do it quickly, Grandma said, you can heal burns without leaving a scar. Smooth your injured skin and peel and cut a potato in two and hold each rinsed half to the heated flay until the potato turns black. Repeat until it looks like nothing ever happened. Uncle Sugar Pie raised her and her sisters in Michigan because white men lynched her father in Alabama and threatened her uncle with death if he didn't leave too. They took my great-grandfather's store and land and home and Uncle Sugar Pie was a nice man, but rocked on his front porch chair with a shotgun if he saw any white men walking the neighborhood trying to sell any damn thing. What else? I think about that in the ecstasy of a sweet peach and the irony of death, theft on indigenous land and the violence of language in every space I enter and I think I am losing everything but my mind. I certainly am paying for the trouble and we split all that liquor so now our whispers mean to get loud. Yes, now you have to listen or move the hell out of the way. All right. I don't know if I can read this one, y'all. We gonna see. 
I ain't got no Kleenex. All right, we're going to find out. So I wrote this after reading S. Notley. She's got this book in the pines and it's very haunted and I resisted reading it because I was like, I don't need all these ghosts. I got enough of my own shit. So, but I listened to the song that inspired the title, which is uh, Lead Belly's In the Pines, but his original recording is called Black Girl, not In the Pines. In the Pines is some, so the lines from Lead Belly's song is Black Girl, Black Girl Don't Lie to Me. Tell me, where did you sleep last night? And the poem is called, I slept when I couldn't move. I slept in my own bed in need of replacement. I slept sitting up against a steel bunk in Illinois winter next to military strangers. I slept beneath a run of pipes on a destroyer and I slept with a failed guitarist. I slept on his brocade couch in the valley and left before I could remember his face. I slept in the deepest part of Watts my lover's grandmother's house with a view of an abandoned lot overgrown with weeds and drug trash. He kept his mouth persistent and unfamiliar. In a dark turn, I slept in a bathtub dispossessed. I slept with love and treated myself to unkindness. I slept after repeating myself alone and I slept in a friend's guest room with a broken window and listened to nameless strays killing what they eat its hard work. When I was small, I slept with three sisters the same size in a house with the gas cut off. I slept with a man who hated himself, and we slept in a beautiful bed in a loft with a downtown view, and he brought me red wine and cold water. I slept happily in hotels when I could escape. I slept in a mountain cottage and wrapped myself in a crocheted blanket in sorrow and wrote poems about my animus. I slept on the floor in my father's house. I never slept in the brick one story my grandfather built, and sometimes I feel like concrete. I slept in the palm of my own black hand. I slept when I couldn't move. I slept in a place that hadn't been built yet and dreamed the sheer violence of the future. I slept inside a song with a blacker voice than mine, which meant I slept good. I slept in the orange light of day silence, slept on the street. I slept in the knotted hair of my sister's ch children in Detroit and washed and combed it in the morning. I slept when I couldn't move. I slept in a California desert free of bodies and trees. I slept in senescent lake muck. I slept through earthquakes in El Nino and never stopped traveling. I slept in my car on the side of Fountain Street at dawn. Car shook from the traffic, but I worked all night and couldn't wake up. I slept in a rented studio apartment in Brooklyn with roaches and the aroma of methamphetamines climbing through vents and under the door and dreamed about work. I slept to the repetition of Cesaria Avora. I slept on a feather bed and let myself dream a cracked blue. I slept in a red dress and sparrows woke me in the morning. I slept in a black dress and saw a hawk in my grandmother's magnolia. I slept where I was born and a rude wind pushed me into exile. I slept in the infinite arrangements of princes' instruments. I slept out of dreams when cranes cut the sky in an era of smog. I slept in San Joaquin farm country and there were too many kinds of molesters. I slept when I couldn't move. I slept in on a Sunday next to the radio. I slept crying every night for a year when I failed at my best thing, but I kept him alive. I slept in a world I forgot to love sometimes. I slept as if I still believed in rescue. 
I slept expensively and poorly in middle class. I slept when I couldn't afford to. I slept in stolen Frisia. I slept in Hajira and wasn't cruel when I slept. I slept in kinship with my faults. In a dream, I was hopeful and slept when I needed a radical silence. I slept next to a man's portrait with someone else and more than once I did didn't close my eyes. I slept in a lie and a comfort felt so real, it was real. I slept as if I were years. I slept so many years I couldn't find. In sleep my eyes dreamt the nearness of waiting and couldn't touch it. I slept so sure in a used place and so hyperbolic. I slept in a kind of fire and became it. I slept in a place of brilliant bones in the future of blackness. I slept in a system outside of every law but one. I slept when I couldn't move. I slept in a simple way. I slept in a place just for us. I slept where I could see it. Speechless. <laughs> Amen, sis. That was beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, also, you. we said this on the tram, but welcome to the family, man. This is a love. Really love y'all. I love this book so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's incredible. You now. <laughs> I don't know. Y'all can talk with each other, but we could also open it up to questions uh, if people have questions and want to type them out in the chat. Um, yeah. Wait. I have a question. Khadija, what's your pub date? August 18th. August 18th. Good. I just had to write that down. Thank you. That, I mean, you know, like, I've read with, I think we met at AWP last year. Um, but, but, I think you know, that's right. Yeah. And, like, I've read with Morgan a bunch and with Jenny a bunch, and it's just, I mean, the, the privilege was, I mean, I cannot believe this is just, the, I am so excited <laughs> for this book. I'm so excited for this book. Oh, thank you so much. I teach your book all the time. Such a fan. Listen, if you ever need me to Zoom yeah. in any of those classes, I'll come in. I don't care. <laughs> all right. I will hold you to that. I will do it. I mean, uh, like, Morgan, I you too. Yeah. All right. All right. I was teaching your poems last week, Khadija, and I was like recommending one of your books to one of my students. And I went to my shelf and, was just, and I came back and was like, this lady has written a shit ton of books. Like, what is Khadija up to? <laughs> I'm just I, real quiet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, she really just like hunkers down and then on the low has 15 books. <laughs> I love it. I mean, but like I said at the top, like we all just, keep writing books. <laughs> I think that's important. I, I really am not like into the idea and I know some people are and that's fine. And some people say this, but, and I love them, but you know, write the fucking book. Yeah. If you got something to say, say it, yeah. say it as, as well as you can. And, um, you know, write the fucking book. There's a lot of books out there. We might as well flood the, flood the field. Exactly. So, if you don't, other people really fucking will. And correct. And don't have good ideas. So. <laughs> correct. <laughs> but I also wrote it in feed. I was like, I grew up, people dying, uh, you know, cousins my age died. 
people you have the time to sit, sit on a book i don't really i'm just it has to come out now i don't because i know i'm not gonna i don't i don't necessarily believe that i have a future so like it's got to come out now that's right that's right. and i have talked about this before it's like i mean that is like a cultural thing right um yeah. and i have i don't know like not with every white friend but i have found that that, that is a lens i mean taking your time is a privilege right uh, Angel Nafisa, I tell you what I don't have time for, but I don't have time. And that's <laughs> exactly it, you know? You know, y'all, I started writing books the same time I was pregnant with my son. So I wrote, I became a poet and a mother at the same time. So mm -hmm. I, I was mm -hmm. in between breastfeeding, working, and cooking, and cleaning, and all that other shit, and mm -hmm. dealing with whatever asshole dude I was dealing with at the time. So I, writing is precious to me, and um, I was doing it every, every day for like six years in a row, every day. Um, wow. But that's because I had shit to say, and I didn't have time to waste. Mm -hmm. So, and I learned how to write books in my MFA program. I love writing books. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> so why am I going to hold them in? It's true. And all of your books are so um, different. They're so different and they all really like, I don't know, and in, in none of them do I feel like you're stretching your own voice. Like they're all your voice and there are many voices. I fucking love it, I love it. I'm curious about like what the, um, what the story is behind the latest one and like the generation of it and like the completion of it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, it did feel like end of the world when, what's this? face orange gargamel got elected <laughs> <laughs> i just felt like like i can't say his name i just felt like the hope was gone and i feel like i was seeing the world end in that moment after that kept happening like this constant moment of destruction that he has wrought and um i had to write through it and at the same time i was dealing with you know some of y'all know what i was dealing with in 2016 but like it was just some real checked up things and I was very angry and very sad. So it's a lot of like apocalypse shit in there and, and but also like being really tired of taking it. Really tired of, of just being um proper in one's grief or anger. So fuck that too. I feel that. Yeah. I know you do, Morgan. Y'all give me courage. <laughs> I have to say, like, I'm, Tommy's book. I didn't. Need, I didn't know who Tommy Pico was, but the book came across, uh, and I really can't say how it came across. But like, I read it and I like fell in love with it immediately, and I was like, "This is the book." And I'm like, "Never glasses." And then uh, Morgan came on the scene with this. Um, I don't want to call it a sparkle, but it is kind of a. Sparkle, but it's like a sparkle of like, hey, shit's fucked up. Let's have a drink. And uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> have I not said those words <laughs> many times before? <laughs> and I just love, I, I just love your poems, and um, um, I appreciate y'all uh, reading my work, and uh, I appreciate how you are branching out into other genres, and I think that you give us courage. Thank you. I am Jenny, not. Holy shit, I didn't even know about you that much, girl. <laughs> Where the hell was I? 
Jenny is amazing. Literally never been proper. I feel you know? <laughs> I could tell. There was no change. It's just like <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's awesome. I feel the same as you, Khadija. Like, um I mean, I obviously I can't help but be like um myself, but it still sucks to be really alone. And it still sucks. I mean, I know we've all been on those in those readings where every single person like has the exact same face except for us and they're all reading in the exact same way and then you like I don't know like you go up and you're just like in another world and there's like it's the most like alienating experience and it wasn't until I literally saw Tommy and Morgan read in like some dingy bar in Brooklyn where I was like okay I'm not like the only person in the world who is like a hot interesting cool (laughs) who is worth listening to (laughs) can we talk about hotness for a second because when I started out because I'm the old lady right when I went to you're hotter than Oh. You are so hot, don't even. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's like a selling point. Like, Come wait, on now. Don't pretend was... like you don't know how you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like for my age. So I went to AWP. My first one was in 2005. It was in Austin. Everybody was so frumpy. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> oh my God, it was so boring. Everybody was dumpy and like reading their papers like this and like yes. voice. And I was like, what the hell is this? I'm like, and I was with some friends who were very fly and they were just like, we're going to come back the next day. And one of them used to be a club kid and she like dressed up all in <laughs> like a mini skirt and white But anyway, it was just like, as soon as people of color like come in, we literally bring life and the flyness and you know i i love us uh, so I, I started a reading series in 2008 and morgan last one when it ended in 2016 because of what jenny was saying you know about the same faced same sounded readings and i was just like i want to be in a reading that i want to be in i want to like I want to learn shit. I want to like find something new. I want to learn how to perform better. I want to hear something I haven't heard. So um, I think my advice to people who are interested in that kind of thing would be like, make your own shit if if you have the ability and the time. Mm-hmm. There's some questions in here that I I'm would like to answer. Also, should we? We just started it. I mean, that's why. Oh, that's more right. Reparations live. Yeah. We started poets with attitude after. Uh, just like t- talking about everyone at readings is boring, <laughs> like except for us, and it's like boring to go to your own reading. <laughs> you know, like we're like this sucks, um, and it's a lot of pressure. Also, so yeah, that was our whole idea was just like people that also uh, show up as themselves to read, and you know have like social skills or really that they're acknowledging that an audience is there you know rather than this whole thing and yeah and I, too right because yep that's how you do a reading yeah. sorry jenny i interrupted you no i was just gonna say like it's all connected i feel like tommy you've talked a lot about like wanting to give um a performance to 
to the readers, the people in the audience, and I feel like both Morgan and Khadija, like the way you read is also different from how I read your poems on the page. But it's also like, that's respectful, like that's honorable to show up looking good because you want to look good for the people who showed up looking good for you. And that is like mutual respect that I feel like I grew up with and I assume that you guys grew up with and there's something really gross about someone showing up and their hair is dirty and their skin is like just like gross and they're reading things that like I don't know are dead on arrival I'm just like you should have just handed out pieces of paper so that people could read quietly in the corner of the room because that would have been better blank <laughs> so people have your headshot like that <laughs> Yeah, like show some respect. And to oh, me, like, I think my 260 people came to see us do our thing. That's 260 people <laughs> doing anything else besides this right now, and or, or be on somebody else's Instagram live and talk to their mom or whatever. And they decided to come out and see us. And it's like, you know what? I'm gonna like, I'm gonna take that and be like, I want to give you a reading. I want to give you an experience. I want to give you a performance. I want to say that I do not take your attention for granted. And yes. I really respect, and I, I'm so thankful that you're here. And I'm so thankful that you want to spend time with us. So I'm going to give you something. Yeah, absolutely. Also, Jenny, I think the thing you were talking about is home training. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> We brush our hair, you know. <laughs> totally. But it's also like a culture of like what real hospitality. Mm -hmm. If you come to my home, I make it look nice and I look nice for you and I have treats for you. Like I care. Like it's it's an experience. Like you are going to be fed fully when you come to my home. Always. And also, you know, you love yourself. You practice, even if you don't yeah. feel it yet. Mm -hmm. You know, practice loving on yourself externally internally and you show that and you praise that you praise you know beauty doesn't have to be like what you look like we're all fucking beautiful mm. just like take care of yourself and um show up for people in a full and complete way i think um and just practice loving on yourself that's important especially right now because ain't nobody gonna love it yonder they do not love your flesh said tony morris oh, yeah. mm -hmm. yonder should we read one of these questions? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is somebody moderating the questions? Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, so, so Elena and uh, Taylor were both at right cross genre, and what are the challenges that present themselves with different genres? Uh, it's hard. <laughs> Start right there by saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> I, I, mean, I told Tommy not to write a novel because I was like, I just wrote this novel. It was the worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> Every person who's written a novel who I know has told me, don't do that shit. And I was like, but I want to see if the stove is hot. I'm going to put my ass right on top of it. <laughs> it's true. Uh, but we're I think all. It's fun. I mean, the thing is, like, I. Tommy is also a sag like me. So we like to just do a new thing. I often wonder, like, why am I doing this thing that I don't know how to do? I'm always doing something I don't know how to do. It's not like I don't know how to do stuff. I could write a poetry book. I know how to do that. And yet, I'm like, what if I 
new performance. Let me just write a script. You know what I mean? Like, let me just write a, like, it's like, I don't know how to do that shit. And I just, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's, it's definitely difficult, but I like, I, I enjoy the challenge. I think I enjoy the challenge. And I also don't ever want to feel like I'm good at anything. So I, I always want to be trying to do better and like do different things and be like, I'm going to, you know, and I, I also don't, I don't like telling people telling me how to do something. So I, I always have to figure out yeah. to do it myself, which means That's it takes true. like 20 fucking years longer than yep. I never took any class, you know, I'm like, oh, here are some books about oh, how to write. It's like, mm -hmm. they don't know anything about me. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, and like even my agents are like, you have to write and just an outline at some point could be rough. And I was just like, no, 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 no. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I do what I like. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and I also, I mean, on my part, I think it's good, Tommy, that you uh, feel that you don't want to, I don't know, let yourself ever be good at stuff. But I'm more just like, it's coming out of a place of like, I just want to shit on myself <laughs> and like, see myself <laughs> and like create a challenge. Uh, just like because of bad habits, but, <laughs> but you know, that's useful, I guess. What about you, Jenny? Well, I, I, I agree with what everyone's saying. I also feel like, I don't know. I feel like my whole life I've been, um, like having to deal with categories that I never I never identified with and I never felt comfortable in it and I never felt like I was bound by things that other people imposed upon me and like these they're, they're meaningful because so many people believe in them but they're not actually meaningful intrinsically and in the same way like the categories of these genres are not meaningful prose and poetry and narrative and non-narrative they're just whatever like we all believe in Time is linear and not linear, like coincidences matter and they don't matter. Cause and effect is real and it's not real. Like it really just, there's just no point in um, believing in what you've been told. And I think that is one of the reasons why it just never even occurred to me to be like, I'll only write prose forever or I'll only write, you know, fiction or poetry forever because there's nothing, I never came, I came into the world and everything was closed off to me. It never mattered. And I feel, oh, yes, exactly. I relate to that. So just yeah. keep going. Like me writing a novel is equally as crazy as it is me writing. <laughs> just like, you know, being here. Like, yeah. all just equally. Yep. No, in that case, you know. Oh, man. That's really true. I also think, you know, like, there's something in that, like, MFA world that makes you, that forces you to think about genre, you know, like, yeah, having yeah, yeah. Like, uh, focus or whatever, and I think I never did that until then. I never was like, poetry, like, fuck those fiction kids, you know what I mean, <laughs> like, until that was a thing, um, because before I was just like, I want to write stuff. Totally. Um, so I think it is part of this, like, it's an, it's an outside thing. Even if we yeah. just believe ourselves to be writers, there's always going to be someone asking, like, oh, but what's your genre? What do you usually write? And uh, I don't know. And once you're a poet, people, like, don't stop calling you a poet. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
fiction writer, everyone will call you a writer. Yeah. You're a poet. Like, I can write three more novels, and people still be like, the poet, Morgan Parker. <laughs> <laughs> just like a thing to call someone a poet. It's just special. Oh, my God. Uh, this is a, a comment, Jenny, um, from Could Emma. I say one thing real quick? Yeah. I just wrote a memoir about my time in the Navy. And, like, right after that, finished a critical dissertation. So, trying to, and then that was right after I finished Anodyne. So, obviously, I, like, took a little break. But I think that I, I would, okay, so Chris Bonnie was my mentor in MFA school. Wow. And, yeah. So, he taught me how to write books and, like, to find the right container for the content. Mm. I didn't know that whatever yeah. the it was about genre because Chris was like, this belongs in this kind of, of a yeah. discourse. So, you know, I think to follow where your curiosity takes you and, to, and um, let the content dictate the um, container. Yeah. And stay yeah. curious. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's fun. Yeah, it really is. I don't yeah. like thinking that I know things, but I, I feel like curiosity is a thing that I always, like, if, if I lose that, I'm, it's over. I'm done. It's over. Like, I just, I want to be continually curious about everything. Yeah. Yep. I love that you said that, Kadisha. <clears throat> I talk about that a lot as, like, the thing that I learned. You know, I wish I'd known that before, because that was the thing that I learned while I was working in other genres. Mm. And I was working on, uh, like, all genres at once, which was, like, crazy, but also Natural as fuck, though. Yes, it is, because I can have an idea and then think, well, no, actually, what is the best place for this? I don't have to work into a thing. Totally. It's fun. It makes me wish I, like, also could paint and, like, you know, <laughs> yes. any other things, you know? Like, I want to express in all the ways I possibly can, yep. or at least I have the option, you know? You could if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's good. I, I feel like, so, like, I've been doing house parties a lot, and, like, they have, like, a Pictionary thing, and I'm like, you know, they have, like, you know, so you draw, and I was like, I got this, and I realized I can't draw. Like, I can't draw. <laughs> <laughs> I assumed that I could. And Only I you would realize that at 35 years. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's just, just like, not your me. Medium, different medium. I just had to draw a dishwasher, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, hilarious!" Um, so Delphi's asking, "When do you know when a book is done?" You just have to say. In my experience, like, well, okay, no, I have two answers. One of them is, um, the in terms of the poetry books that I wrote, um, I started with an intense obsession that was analogous to a crush. Like I had a crush mm. on an idea and I worked on it and I worked on it and I worked on it and then one day it was gone and I was like, I, I, don't, I don't have a thing for that thing anymore. But I, after that, like the editing started, but it was like, I had to have a crush on the idea. In IRL, it was like uh, indigenous religion. In nature poem, it was like, uh, the 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 coupling of indigenous people with nature in junk it was a breakup being broken up with and breaking up with somebody and in feed it was like being friends with somebody again and then once those like and then I developed a lens through which I I saw the rest of the world and the rest of the world became a part of the poem but then like 
I yeah. like I just felt like I, I wasn't interested in the idea any longer and then then it was over. That was my experience. Yeah, I totally just to hop on what you're saying, Tommy. I feel like it's kind of like when you are over like a bad breakup and you're just like talking to your friends nonstop about like this person, how they did you dirty. And eventually you're like, okay, I'm fucking sick of myself talking about this. And then eventually you're like, I think I don't have anything more to say about this. I think I'm done. And that's kind of like the same kind of feeling with a book that's bothering you. That's something that interests you, that you're curious about. And then you kind of plummet to the point where you don't, it's like you're done. Like you, you said all you care to say about it up until that point. And that could be for some people that's like 10 years. And for some people that's like six months, it could be really any amount of time. I usually overwrite and then somebody else helps me and is like, cut, 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 cut. <laughs> Good to know oh, that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Akriti is asking, do the writers have an age in mind for the speakers, protagonists of their poems? I, this is a, a discussion that I have with Morgan all the time, which is that like, I've always been 23. I was 23 when I was in fifth grade and I'm 23 now as a 36 year old. Um, and uh -huh. that like, when I was younger, I was precocious and now I'm immature. <laughs> True, he just, that's like your soul age. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's Teebs, like Teebs is like yeah. forever 23. That's fantastic. My soul age is, Roughly 60. <laughs> and that's not the speaker of my poems. <laughs> it's weird because I'm always like, Tommy, why are you so much younger than me? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like the old man in the situation. <laughs> I mean, my, I mean, come on. I'm not going to say that the speaker is not a version of me. Like, we're past that, right? Like, you guys aren't going to be like, the speaker equals Morgan Parker if I say that. Because, <laughs> you know, obviously it's coming um from me and the things that i have learned up until this point in my life i can't you know i can't speak with any more or less information than what i have yeah uh right now plus all the stuff i've already had since the beginning of time as like a 50 year old you know <laughs> like, like whatever i knew then that <laughs> stuff, it's also here uh, Elena's asking, is there an idea that you're, you never feel done with, like an idea that you always come back to, that shows up in different variations? Genocide! Patriarchy. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the big ones, um, I mean, the world has never been done with genocide, patriarchy, violence racist like until the world heals like we never will it'll always be it'll always be it should always be in every single person's like art because that's the world but i think everyone has like questions they're grappling with like from the minute they're born until they die and like morgan is saying um but you as a person are growing and learning more about like how you're grappling with and that's them, the right? thing that's interesting because I keep saying like, am I just writing the same book over and over? 
the same stuff, right? Like if you were to like boil it down in one line, all the themes, it's gonna be, you know, black womanhood, mental health, loneliness, uh, the weirdness of the outside world, um, all of that stuff, but in different ways based on just like the personhood that I'm experiencing at the time. And I think that's like exciting. I actually think it's exciting that we all have like those things that are always going to appear uh, rather than like limiting because those things are so large, you know? But you get new vocabularies for them. Exactly. You know, you get new lenses for them. I'll be like, okay, genocide, sucking dick and candy. And then, like, <laughs> if I have those, if those the are my big three themes of Tommy Pico. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but then, but then everything new that I consume, can I see through one of those three lenses? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, Maybe. I had a white yes, okay. <laughs> Um. Harris is asking when compiling a book or a collection, does the idea for the book come before the poems or do the poems come first? It depends. You know, I think um, a lot of people ask that question with, with I'm So Fine, which is about the celebrities and stuff that I met. I'm generally just walking down the street in Los Angeles in the 80s and 90s for the most part. And it, it started out like as a list, like a top 10 list, David Letterman, <laughs> and then people like them. Like, <laughs> they're like, I'm going to write the David Letterman. <laughs> <laughs> I love this It book. was a Covino book. <laughs> it was really fun to write it. And then I let somebody else read it. This is actually kind of fucked up. <laughs> I, like, I was like, you know what it kind of is? And then it became a little more sophisticated as a book. So I think it depends on the, <laughs> on the subject matter. Actually, I would I, ask you that about Black Peculiar. How did you oh, yeah. Well, I was in art school at that time. Speaking of okay. <laughs> and I was the only Black person there. And yeah. it was just this really absurd experience. So I'm an art school dropout. <laughs> uh, MFA in studio art and uh yeah that that book came about because I was dealing with that kind of absurdity of mm. racism mm. and sexism and also like some personal bullshit so yeah cool. I don't know if that answered anything I for me the idea always comes before the book but the structure Ooh. comes after Mm -hmm. like yes. you know I was, I was like with IRL that was the idea I was like okay I muse and like the idea like being two worlds and like nature world, natural versus unnatural and like again like junk like, like breaking up and broken up with and like feed reconciliation like I always started off with the idea and through that accumulated the, the book but like the form I think came did last. it shape like the, did it like change shapes as you're writing it? yeah well like yeah for example like junk I feel like I was accumulating material for that poem for months and months mm. and months before the idea of it being couplets happened and that's just because I was reading garbage I had read Air Ammons and then also I was like oh obviously a breakup poem in couplets like mm. yes that makes sense to me but with um with with feed it wasn't until, so me and Morgan both did this residency with Alexander Chi called Dear Reader, where we had to stay a night at the Ace Hotel and then write a letter. And then uh, uh, that letter would be delivered to um, everybody at the Ace Hotel the next week, like during one night. And I started it and I had, I had been 
been accumulating for feed for probably a year at that point because I'd started it in the summer of 2016 then 2017 happened and then like uh and then I was like do I, I did the um I did a, a commission for the high line so I was like I had all this writing but I didn't know how it was supposed to be and then it started then I had to write this letter dear reader and then I was like oh this is an epistolary poem obviously because an epistolary poem in my mind is so similar to a recipe because it's addressed to a person, you're giving them directions, and then after that, the structure took form. So it was like idea, accumulation, structure. Like, that's my train. Did you know that you would have book-length poems, and did you know before starting each one that they would be book-length? I feel like after I started writing IRL, I knew what my thing was. Mm. I was like, I know that this is my thing. My thing is, like, going long. I didn't know how long they would be, but I knew it was long, and then like once I had finished that book I knew that I had more things to mm. say and I, I roughly mapped it out because at that time I had already started nature poem and I, but I was like these might land on different I want there to be thematic similarities so that once you what's that wasn't it like chat book at that oh. point yeah, yeah, I'd made the zine version of Nature Poem. And like, so I was, I, I knew after I finished the rough manuscript of IRL, I was like, oh, this is mm -hmm. seasonal. And if I have, I think I have more things to say, and I'm going to say this over the course mm -hmm. of four things. I didn't know how long they were going to be. I didn't know necessarily they were all going to be book length, but I knew that it was like a series of like four. Cool. I've ne never known I'm writing a book until I'm writing it. So... Yikes. Don't start with anything, you know, just feels. And then the book starts talking to me, I guess. You know, it felt like non sequitur was like that. Because I would just like sit in the bookstore and like write down all shit I overheard, but also like absurd things that I remembered from being in class. And then it somehow got smooshed together. And then I showed it to a friend who directs uh, this essential theater. She was like, this is a play. Like, oh my god that's so fun and then it just became this absurd wild thing that's like my writing process like i just like <laughs> sit around and listen to things including my own memories uh but mostly tv and just write it down and then smush it uh, it's obviously more you know whatever than that jenny do you start your project <laughs> like that too do you have this accumulative this cumulative process or do you plan everything a little bit more like morgan i kind of just writing things pretty unconsciously at first and then it's the conscious part happens after when i start like looking through all the things i've written and i realize wow i'm really obsessed with like these three questions and and it, it is like a season like a season of my life where i'm obsessed with these questions yeah. and i can tell when the season's beginning and when it's ending you know and that usually ends up being a book yeah you and it, it, well, like as a person from southern california like morgan <laughs> i didn't experience the seasons until i moved to the northeast like it what i didn't i didn't have you know, it was either, I feel like what I had growing up was, you know, sometimes you put on a denim jacket. <laughs> yeah, we had sweatshirts, you know, sometimes. I wore I my- remember those days. But it was unnecessary. It was just for style. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, and I then like I got every now and then. In, and but I also got when I was like when I got to New York, I was like, oh, at sometimes I can layer. Like I could put clothes on top. You never got a real coat. Don't ever <laughs> got a real coat in New York City. Selling on you. I'm like, I'm sorry, because also I, I mean, I never really got very used to it. So I was always like, the job, like <laughs> just like a snowman. I really, I looked like a burrito. Um, <laughs> many times, people just like bump into me and be like, "Sorry, sir." And I'm like, uh, but anyway, so I recognize that this dude did not have a coat. I don't know why I'm so cold. You're like, well, it's the leather jacket over the jean jacket. Like, it's snowing. What's and going also, on? And also, like, I, I, my version of, of 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 thermal underwear was like my skinniest underneath my other skinniest wow <laughs> wow i'm with morgan i like blanket coats yeah gloves hat with fur on it the whole thing the whole shot blows me up yeah yeah um charlotte asks how do you handle the revision process do you love it or hate it or any process tips the revision process is like the whole thing it's the whole thing like first draft is you know, I don't know. I, I feel more time revising than writing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you, you guys feel the same way, but I, I really feel like the draft is whatever, and then the revising is when I actually figure out what the poem is. For and, sure. I yeah. feel like I spend yeah. like a good thick three months accumulating most of the material. Cause right. I talked, well, cause you know, I'm obsessed with it for three months and then I move on, but then like, but then like it, linger it's just for years mm -hmm. you know and i'm just like teasing it out and i'm like then i spread that play-doh over like a different pile of dirt and get more stuff in it and i'm like ooh, i have a dusting thing <laughs> i feel different genres at times um i just wrote an essay about about the pandemic that'll be out in august and i wrote it in one day and it was during finals week it just came out because I was worried about my sister because she was sick in New York and I was just like crying watching the news and writing this 12 page thing <laughs> and then I spent like a month revising it so but that initial magical thing I mean that's a rare like gift you know yeah. when it comes to you that way and I think yeah. it's it's really amazing to honor that but but I, I want to add in the process of gathering and the process of honesty of feeling mm -hmm. and the process of listening to that urge to put things down, especially when we're like really busy, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it too. And I know it's probably not practical, but like for practical, there's like a really cool 21 poem hacks by Carmen Jimenez Smith. That's on the Poetry Foundation website that I use when I teach a lot. 21 poem hacks. So find it. The only thing I'll add to the revision stuff is like, it's daunting because um, improving yourself as a person is also part of revising as a writer. Absolutely. You know, like the conversations I have with Tommy about like intimacy and love and connection and the past, that changes me as a person. And when I change as a person, then I'm able to like, actually fully revised to the fullest level something that I wrote 
two years ago, three years ago, one month ago. And sometimes when we don't want to revise, what we don't want to do is like change. Oh yeah. And so that's also why it's hard. I, I think like, it's really important to know that. Like I, I did that so much with Magical Negro where I was like, I would start writing a poem, think I know what the poem is, because I'm mm -hmm. like, art, and then hit something where I'm like, oh, fuck, the poem's about that? Like, yeah. okay, I need to become a whole different bitch. Like, I need to oh, yeah. like, you know? four more therapy sessions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know what this poem is demanding of me now that I have done the draft and I'm looking at it for real, for real. And I know that this version of me cannot do that correctly right now. And yeah. I think, like, knowing how to notice that was like a big shift in my writing process and like being okay with that you know because you can't push it if like the, the poem isn't somewhere that you can't even go yep. that's right yep. uh, i don't think you should have to like force yourself to do that you know like to know okay maybe these are some things i'll talk about in the next couple therapy <laughs> sessions and you know take that information rather than just being like it's on me to like basically excavate my darkest. I mean, I, that is part of it, but <laughs> you know, you don't have to hurt yourself. Right, don't hurt yourself and make sure you have support. I yeah. think um, when I was writing the memoir, I, I started writing in 2004, wow. 2005, something like that. And then I put it away for 10 years uh, because it was too painful and I wasn't ready to, to and, um, I still couldn't like really, really write the whole thing. I had to like do this boot camp with Chelsea Hudson. Like it really helps me to like have writing. Chelsea, yeah. we love her. Oh, it when was I was so in great. Brooklyn, she we lived on the same street. She was my neighbor. Yes. She was three doors down. We would have oh brunch God, club. Awesome. Yeah. I want to have brunch with Chelsea. <laughs> but like you have to like decide like what Morgan is saying about not forcing yourself, but also knowing when it's time because you can't stop thinking about that thing mm -hmm. and gathering the support that you need in order to write you know, it. To do it. Yeah. Yep. And then you go through the thing and then you're the tra you transform and then you're like ready to tackle it and then you do and then you have those last few things where you're like, am I making this better or am I just like pushing paint around on the canvas? Mm -hmm. And I feel like with, with my baby first birthday, there were a lot of like, email exchanges back and forth where you were like, should the word go here or here? You know, I was yeah. like, well, you know it's like, I like it to be messy. So I would probably <laughs> do it. But if you want, but like, if you know, if you want to do this, you do that. But so there, I remember like a lot of towards like sort of the end, like as it was like, I'm, I'm I, it has been accepted. Yes. And this is like the yeah, final decision. This is like the final thing before it goes out in the world. Totally. <laughs> This little thing that I, and I'm bad yeah. at that because I'm just like, at that point, I'm like, well, I mean, it's going to suck or it's not going to suck, but I don't have, I just don't, I don't have the, I don't personally have the attention stamps, but like going through that not last, like, okay. but those last few edits I did with you, Jenny, I was like, I think I should care about my work more. <laughs> <laughs> 
but there's a point that's a good point tom because there's a point where it's like are you revising or are you just like loath to let this go are you are you not ready to let this do you want to hold this privately in your life forever or do you actually want to share it with the world because it's never going to be perfect it's never going to you're never going to have the perfect like word there's always going to be a moment later where you look back and you're like oh dang i could have made it better you we could always be better like so it's like also letting go and just being like it's as good as it's going to be right now and i want to share it now is okay i feel like it comes to a point where when i'm trying to revise and i'm like if i'm actually gonna revise this you know this poem is is so old either time wise or or like brain wise that like yes. i would just write it over again you know what i mean so and i think that's how i moved from writing my second book to my third was when i was like actually if i'm gonna change this i'm probably writing up another poem mm -hmm. over again so let me let that live and be the expression of you know that year and it's okay that i'm still writing about the same <laughs> shit, you know but in a totally different way and that's also how i often know when a project is done you know you can kind of see how it turns into something else like the same yeah. stuff takes a different shape if i were to quote my own self which <laughs> I often do and enjoy doing. Uh, there's no such thing as a perfect ending. Sometimes you just have to say, I'm ready to leave. Mm, snaps. That's kind of like my little niece she, with her little Zoom classroom. She'd be like, mommy, can I press leave meeting? And then she just presses <laughs> um, I feel like this would be the perfect way to end this conversation. Um, do we have to? <laughs> been an hour and a half i believe or more okay um, but what is time <laughs> fuck time thank you all so fuck much. time we really appreciate it thank um, you everyone i can't see you but i love you <laughs> and one of my favorite nights in the quarantine so far <laughs> it's been such a privilege y'all i really appreciate every one of you and thank you thank you are we getting on a, are we doing a? Yeah, we're having a drink on a separate. Okay, correct. But yeah, thank you again. And uh, the ending is always abrupt, uh, but thank you all for, for coming and thank you all for reading. Wait a minute, um, I'm curious. Do one of you know how to make a Zoom room? Because I don't know how to do that. I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, have a good night, everyone. Um, thank you again. Night. Thank Bye. you so much. Bye. And once Bye. again, Khadija, welcome to the family. I'm hey. so excited. Hey. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. Look at all these awesome people. There was like 300 people here tonight. Holy smokes. So. I'm like watching all the people leave. I know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bye, Matt. <laughs> thank you for listening to the skylight books podcast series please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on twitter and instagram also don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations you can find us on podbean itunes and spotify stay safe and healthy and we hope to see you back in our store soon I see.